0: Welcome to the Strategy Mom Podcast. Tune in for everything you need to know to stay in the know regarding the automotive industry. Here's your host, Jason Harris. Hey, 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 what's going on, Podcast Nation? It is Jason Harris here, and thank you for joining me on another episode of Strategy with Jason. Today, I have a fun guest, and we're going to have some really cool conversations. In fact, I've been looking forward to this, and we just found out that we cut our teeth in the industry at the exact same dealership so what a what a small world but i have russell hill with me today russell thank you so much for taking the time to jam with me
1: Jason, thank you for having me. Appreciate it. Looking forward to it.
0: This is going to be fun. We're going to cover some really cool topics. But before we kind of get into the girth of our conversation today, I always like to start off our podcast with a little origin story because I'm always fascinated okay. to find out how people got started in the business. So okay. so Russell, how did you get started in this crazy little world we call the automotive industry?
1: Okay. Do you want me to be honest or do you want me to lie? <laughs> it's so, the- okay. So uh, I was a delinquent and started and and, and thought I was a good uh, a drug dealer, and that uh, that did that didn't work for me. So in 1985, I decided <laughs> I, I I didn't want to do that anymore. I wasn't cut cut out for it. I wasn't cut out to be a criminal. So uh, I got into the car business. I, I applied at a car dealership a dealership in Fort Worth, Texas, and mm-hmm. uh, the rest is history. I've been involved with automotive for uh, 35 years.
0: So you kind of had that hustle kind of embedded in you, then, didn't you? Yeah. You know, and I actually appreciate you being honest there, because you know, um, there, there there's a lot of people in our industry that had hustle in other areas that yeah. may not have been <laughs> of legal <laughs> style yeah, hustles, right. but uh, but but I think that's that that same type of the, just that 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 work hard that that kind of get shit done mentality does kind of. Flow into the automotive space, and, and sure. I think a lot of people entered that way. So I actually do appreciate you being honest, that, like there. And yeah. and I, I do find that people kind of fall into this industry of kind of one of three ways: either they kind of fumble their way in, or they're they're born into it, or, or they're like me, they were conned into it. Now, uh, boy, has our industry, you know, really gone through a lot of changes in yeah. the last twelve months. I mean, that, that, like I, I know I talk a lot about this you know, on podcasts. But, you know, I, I think instead of, well, I think we are going to talk a little bit about, but actually what I'd like to talk about first, because I think it, what you brought up as far as just being honest on how you kind of got started is, is, you know, kind of what is the, the, the why we do what we do is, is been a topic that I that I've had now actually in a couple uh, conversations. And I, I feel like that's kind of been reworked. You know, I'm finding right now, especially during COVID of people trying to kind of find, you know, that, um, that, that that fire again and keeping that fire lit in the belly. And yeah. I find a key to keeping that fire lit in the belly is really understanding, you know, why we do what we do, right? Sure. And that, uh, defining that why. And me and you got talking about this a little bit before we got recording. And I kind of want to get your thoughts and hear, and hear a little bit about your why.
1: Well, Jason, I think a lot of people uh, think they know why. Uh, you know, I have some uh, pretty distinctive beliefs, and I believe that where I'm at right now is the sum total of everything I've ever seen, heard, read, and done up until this moment. So, you know, we, we've all heard definition of insanity is keep doing the same thing, expecting different results. 100%. So what, 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 what happens? So there's really three things. Um, I realize that why a person does what they do is infinitely more important than the what or how you'll figure that out eventually for sure it's all about the why if the why is big enough you'll figure out the what and the how so if the why is big enough it fuels a tremendous amount of enthusiasm and excitement obviously because of that you get into action and with all that action with that enthusiasm and excitement you get these results right and Mm. if you take your eye off the why the enthusiasm uh, wanes, the action isn't what it once was, and then the results aren't there. And so you, you spiral down. Next thing you know, you're in another dealership. The pasture is greener on the other side. That, that That's really not the case. So I met somebody who helped me define what my why was. And there's two, two kinds of fear, right? There's mm. fear of what you know and fear of what you don't know. And most people, even though the consequences are dire, will choose to go with the fear they know versus stepping into the unknown because they don't know what's on other side. But That's where life is, oh, 100%. is on the other side.
0: And I think it's embracing that fear. And it, it's a lesson I think for everybody right now is, mm-hmm. is there is a lot of fear in our industry. Um, we don't talk about it that often, right? Look, like, look in this industry and, you've, I'm sure you've heard this many times. Look, we don't really necessarily give ourselves the ability to feel. So therefore to find our why is very difficult, right? I mean, how often are you, you here at a dealership, um, check it out the door, you know, suck it up buttercup. Um, you know, yeah. like we, we just, we're not, we don't allow our staff to feel and therefore for them to find that why and to keep that fire lit in their belly is incredibly difficult. Um, I I'm kind of curious, like, how do you continue for yourself? How do you continue to kind of concrete that, that why for yourself?
1: It's a good question. There's really only a few different ways. So if you, you know that um, if I look at what somebody's done, and this is the way I manage my people in dealerships over the years, but if you look at what somebody's done in the last 30 days and they really aren't doing it and they're doing the same thing today, uh, if you're real honest with yourself, you know what the next 30 days is going to look like. So I I made it a point to find out why people did what they did. And so you you remember back when you were in junior high or high school, Mm -hmm. we had these dreams, you know, these huge dreams and inspiration. We were going to go out and talk to the world. Well, where is that at 40 years old? Those things are still there, but they've been pushed down over the years because of a lot of different reasons. Like um, people that say, you can't do that. I tried that. That won't work. They're dream takers is what they are. So what keeps me going is this. I don't listen to the 95% of the people I used to associate with that have what I have or less than what I have, and then I wonder why I don't have anymore. I realize that uh, what I read, what I listen to, and who I associate with, those are the ingredients for getting outside of my comfort zone and moving into something
0: uh, new in my life. And and you know what, we we really are kind of the byproduct of what we consume. We are. And you know, uh, I was talking to someone else Actually, a few days ago, about mindset, right? And 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 they had a great question. Look, look, you know, to maintain mindset is not necessarily an easy thing,
1: right? No, it's and, not.
0: and and I find that, and I find one of the reasons that it's difficult to do that is because of we're constantly consuming. As 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 uh, as a father. As as a salesperson, as you know, someone in our industry, like uh, we're constantly, I'm, I'm consuming almost too much. I mean, right now I'm on Clubhouse, and I think I consumed about 32 hours this week at Clubhouse. <laughs> I don't know necessarily that was a good thing or not, but um, but 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 it's it's what we're consuming that 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 really does play into our mindset. If we're not consuming the right thing on a regular basis and making a routine about consuming the right stuff, then it's really difficult for us to maintain. That, that that mindset of wanting to understand our why, and to your point, I love how you said it earlier too. It's understanding others' why. Boy, yeah. do you boy do you learn a lot about your your own why when you get to learn about others' why? And I think that's a great place for a lot of people to start to discover their own why is learn is to learn about other people's why. Do you, I, do you find the same thing?
1: Yeah, I had uh, I, I learned that the hard way. So you think of somebody. I'm going to use this as an example. So. Um, a particular uh, friend of mine has a problem uh, in his relationship with his wife, right? So he yeah. doesn't know any better, so he goes to talk to three different friends. Sure. Here's his three different friends. One, not in a relationship, so can't offer any advice, so he's going to tell this person what he wants to hear so he feels better about whatever stupid decision he's fixing to make, right? Right. Second person is in and out of relationships all the time. Wrong person to go to for information. And the third one is in a relationship that is sick, suffering, and dying. And we're going to these people for information. These are the wrong people to go to for any kind of information. So it it just depends on what success looks like to you, to me, to everybody out there. Is it about finances, making money work for you, or are you working for the money? Is it about about how much you make? It's never about how much you make. It's how much you keep. It's just a mindset.
0: It really is. And you know what? I think a lot of people are probably watching, listening right now going, okay, where, where, where are we going with this in the automotive space? But I actually yeah, I think, yeah,
1: I'm sorry, you know, no, agree.
0: no, no. But I actually think this is really important though, because this literally falls in everything. You know, we connected over kind of our love of marketing. Right. And, you know, I actually find that that is a huge disconnect in our marketing messaging. Is that, you know, we don't share, you know, why we do things the way we do things in our marketing. We just assume that, you know, throwing out an offer or a discount or something along that lines is the reason why someone connects. But no, I mean, you said it perfectly, like we connect or choose not to connect based on other people's whys. And, you know, I've learned more, like I can learn more about a company, all right, within minutes. All right. If they've truly defined what their why is. And I'm seeing that's that's kind of the big shift that I'm seeing right now, you know, over the last 12 months. And I'm actually kind of excited by it. And I hate to say it, but it's there's a silver lining and I don't want to discredit COVID is a serious thing. And for a lot of people, it impacted them in some very negative ways. But if we are to kind of identify a, a positive or a silver lining in this, is that how it's fundamentally shifted our marketing in the last 12 months to really kind of focus on why buy with us, why we do what we do the way we do it. And I'd love to kind of get your thoughts on how do you think our marketing has changed in the last 12 months? Uh,
1: I think uh, it, this pandemic. That's, that, that's the big wake up call. But let me refer to another wake up call that we had. So I remember before I got out of retail, it was 1996 or 97, websites came on the scene, right? Uh, you know, it, it yep. was awful expensive back then. And obviously, <laughs> here we are in 2021, and they, they've, you know, it's phenomenal how far they've come. Mm-hmm. But, uh, but in 2008, when we had that huge economic downturn, service and parts became essential for the dealerships to survive. So here we are, we, we dug out of that at the end of 2009. Then we had the longest run in history we ever had in automotive, right? We did. And then uh, I started a new company at the first of last year, and the next month, COVID hit. And I'm sitting here, like, freaking out. And one of the reasons we did this, when you go back to what happened in 2008, people realigned themselves, they did what they had to do, now COVID exactly. hit. It's a little bit different. There's been a, a paradigm shift, so let me give you an example. hmm the variable side of things is fine. They they do a phenomenal job with all the uh, third-party vendors, the website companies they use. But let me tell you what a website is. A website's like a dog. And this isn't for me. I read this article years ago and it's stuck with me ever since. People think you get a you get a website and it, it just it works. It doesn't. It's like a dog. You gotta pet it, you gotta play with it, you gotta let it out, you gotta get it shots, you, you got to feed it, you got to water it. This is what websites are like. I think because of this COVID, particularly on the fixed operations side, which is where I'm at today, on the website, we look at the specials content page that websites have, second most visited content page on the website, where all four of the dealership profit centers are represented, right? New use, parts, and service. And they really do a phenomenal job, like I said. But you go to the websites now, you still see scissors cutting out a service coupon with hardly any information on it for a, a giveaway oil change or something like that. That's not marketing. That's the things that people are waking up to this time because of COVID. Not to mention everything else in their life has been turned topsy-turvy.
0: It, it really has. And yeah. I'm finding kind of the big change <laughs> is it's not necessary. Look, it, it's from a marketing perspective. It's not enough that we market um, you know, what we do. That's just meeting someone's expectations, right? Like I think in, in all aspects of our industry, both in operations and marketing, it's not enough that we just meet people's expectations. We have to exceed their expectation. And I think to exceed someone's expectation, we have to connect at a much deeper level. Like 1995 oil change is just not connecting at a deeper level. Like, you know, look, and and it's, and I can get that oil change at, at 150 different places. So why, why going back to that? Why this is how we're connecting everything. Like, why should I come to you for that versus everywhere else? And I think the last 12 months, all right, uh, as an industry, we've gotten serious, really serious about our digital dealership, All right, you know, and it's like because because we get to express that why that it's just not the consumers asking for it. They're like, give me something more to chew on, not just a, 19, a 1995 oil change. Have you seen the same thing.
1: I I am. Um, So I think I wrote these little bullet points down. When I say things have changed since COVID, literally everything has changed. What what is that? People have changed. Technology technology has changed. The economy obviously has changed. Shopping has changed. The way people shop has changed. The market has completely changed. And what people want and how they want it now has changed.
0: Expectation, yeah.
1: It is, right? So if you meet somebody's expectation, really, I mean, we've heard this in car business for years. So if you – people tell more people about a bad experience than they do a good experience, right? Yep. But if you exceed their expectations, they'll go to the other end of the spectrum to do what they would do if you didn't exceed their expectations and they had a bad experience. So it's all about delivering the right content with the right message at the right time and for that consumer to interact and engage with whatever it is on the website. The way they want to don't force them to print
0: don't mm-hmm, force mm-hmm.
1: them to, to just schedule service they want to what what is it everybody's on their cell phones today 58 of all people are on their cell phones and the reason i think they're really starting to figure it out for every this isn't my numbers NADA for every franchise dealer out there there's 16 non-franchise entities that are jockeying and buying for the same business Pet boys Firestone, Absolutely. you name it, they're out there because they know. All going after the same season. client. Yeah.
0: Totally. Well, and then that's why in our messaging, we have to step up the game. Like it's exactly. just, there's not an option. See, this is okay. So another silver lining. Okay. Is that, um, I was actually, I was just on another podcast with Frank Lopes and, uh, Frank's Frank's an amazing character, but we, yeah. I, I, I kind of, I think I maybe came up with the word we were doing is half assism. Um, we, we can't half ass ism our efforts or our right. strategies like That's it's right. just like we, we, we can't do it anymore. Right. The consumer is expecting more from us in not only our operations and um, the delivery of our operations. Right. The speed, the convenience, but also in the messaging itself, they just they want more. So I think this kind of now kind of goes into my next question then is this like, hey, this is great. Right, the consumer wants more. There's been a fundamental look. The consumer's changed, like you said. The, the markets change. The industries change. And you know, regardless if you don't think it has or not, it just has. So deal with it, yeah. <laughs> like, you know, but okay. So then kind of moving forward, like how do we kind of address that? And, and, and I love the fact that we're going to kind of keep our conversation on the fixed upside of the business, because for a business that produces over 50% of the profitability of a dealership, it only gets 5% of the actual marketing budget yeah. is, is like, it, that's always rubbed me the wrong way. Yeah. It is even in my own dealership, it rubbed me the wrong way. Right. Um, fixed operation marketing strategies, you know, moving forward. I think that has, it's changed in the sales side uh, because of COVID, but I think in the service side, even more so. But I'd love to get your take. What uh, what are maybe two or three hot fixed ops marketing strategies that you're seeing right now?
1: Uh, one would be video content. Uh, the other would be um, the way things lay on the website. It, it, it's it's all so go not... like,
0: go a little bit more into video content. Like wh- what kind of video content?
1: Okay, so right now, I mean. Um, I stole this from uh, somebody else too just recently I heard so it's on the tip of my tongue that by 2022 82% 82% of all consumption will be video, which is why YouTube is as big as what it is. Sure. You have all that stuff. You have all the widgets and all the things to funnel customers down on the variable side. What do you have? You, what do you have on the fixed side? You've got static coupons. There, Most of the time, there's none there. Now, don't get me wrong. Everybody understands, you know, variable and fix, understand how important it is to have stuff up for customers to consume and see. Because if you're not engaging with them after the third click, exponentially, uh, the exit rates go up it, it, Absolutely. It's phenomenal. so you got you've got to deliver the goods and it needs to be um, attractive enticing and uh, for the customer now more than ever to engage the way they want to engage maybe they want to call maybe they want to email maybe they want to maybe they want to text maybe maybe they want to schedule service there's and how are they doing that because they're not doing it on the fixed side on the websites right now anyway
0: no I, th- I think that's a great strategy I mean really the website has become the digital version of our dealership. And that's not just for sales. When we do talk about it, the context always has to do with the sales. Uh, But it's really where, I mean, look, you know, for a lot of our clients, you know, 35 plus percent of the online traffic coming to their website is going for fix ops. And I feel like we have a huge disconnect in the way that we've developed out the messaging on our, on our website, right? Like when I think of it this way, when I come into a dealership, I walk in, usually I get greeted by a receptionist and it's usually at the front, right? And the receptionist is warm and kind and, and bubbly and, you know, and asks me straight up, like, where would you like to go? What experience are you looking for today? Are you looking for sales? You looking for parts, looking for service? Let me, let me point you, let me get in that, in that direction, right? Go to a, go to a dealership's website right now. Right, the home page is pretty much ninety percent dedicated to the sales department. It's a big disconnect when thirty-five percent of the people that are coming to your site, probably more, depending on your website or, or, or your dealership you know, is, is fixed ops. I, I feel like there has to be a fundamental shift entirely in our website strategy, not only necessarily in the content that we put on there, but also the structure of it, right? I feel like a homepage should be simple, less is more, very elegant, and a simple question of where can I take you to? Which department are you looking for? And when mm-hmm. I click on that department, I'm not getting, if, I'm, if I click on the uh, service department, I don't want to see ads for a car that I just bought three months ago that's now cheaper. Okay. Yeah. Like, <laughs> okay. well, Do you not feel like there's a big disconnect off. there?
1: Yeah, you know I. Um, th- it, it's all it, it is. Less actually is more today. Uh, for example, as you move through all the content pages or menu tabs that a dealership has, for example, and you click one or you hover your mouse over, you have all of these things in the drop down. Uh, I see some that have fifteen or twenty things, two it's or three yep. underneath that drop down. Customers don't like that. I, here's what I do know: a lot of extensive research. After seven items in a dropdown, it creates anxiety in customers. And you go beyond that, uh, they get confused. They can't find what they're looking for. They get interrupted. So you need to be able to deliver it. So yeah, uh, less is more in that regard. And that's one of the things that my company focuses on. Just like I talked about in 2008, what happened in COVID. Everybody understands service is essential. They paid the bills. And yet mm-hmm. you don't see really much evidence of that on, on their website. These guys know that, but they're not marketing people. They're not website people. They care about service. They care about customers, you know, effective labor rates, ROs, how many lines per RO, you know, et cetera, et cetera. I don't think a lot of people know this, you know, but 75% of all traffic that rolls into a dealership is for oil changes. Exactly. So uh, that's not how they make their money. They make their money on premium services, upselling, you know, the things that really need to be upsold, like alignments and flushes and, you know, all those types of services. But you don't really see much evidence of that on the website. Well, that's no, not niche. at
0: all. You're
1: right. That's the niche my company has taken. Um, but here's more importantly it's all about time. Time. You can't ever get that back. Everybody's scrambling, wearing multiple hats, phones ringing cell phones ringing, people standing outside, heat case over here, salesperson wants this, done that. Whatever it is, it's all about time. They know it's important, but they hand it off to somebody else. When you ask them, what coupons do you want? They go, oh my God, I can't, you know, they're th- they, can't, they can't even think straight. We automate the process. Every one of our service and parts videos, uh, our coupons have embedded videos. These aren't YouTube videos. These are videos that my company is creating that explain each and every one of these types of services. And here's the big thing. They don't have to remember usernames they don't have to remember logins because it is automated even the expiration dates will change this is phenomenal technology from the beginning of the month to the end of the month so you always have a present there so they see these aesthetically this is just my opinion these beautiful coupons the beautiful way it lays out it draws the customer in the customer while inside of that coupon can schedule service, they can text, they can email, they can print, they can call, they can get directions, or they can ask a question. That's what inside of the coupon. Not redirected to one page, to another page, to another page, and it gets lost in translation. That's important today. Time. Save the the dealership time, the people that make those decisions. And that's what we've done.
0: You know what? Um thinking about this and I've had this conversation before and it's, it's funny when we start thinking of fix ops marketing strategies, you know, the, the, the strategy behind coupons, <laughs> mm-hmm. all right, is not evolved at all no. in the last 50, 60 years. All right. That we've been doing this. And, and I don't know, like, see, I, I, I want to push dealerships to, to even get away from coupons because I, I, at this point in time, I think the consumer, all right. Um, they can see past the coups, the coupon, like th- the fact that I'm going to save ten dollars on an oil change. All right, is not enough of a value proposition for me to choose you after the other 150 or 67 locations near me that I can go get an oil change from. You know, I, I feel from a marketing strategy perspective, we got to dig deeper. We do. Like we got to dig real deep. And and you know, look, there are you know, we'll talk about like the Chevy dealership. We both, you know, cut our teeth on starting in this industry. There were two dealerships primarily in town, one on the East side, one on the West side of town. Right. Right. And it's like, if you were stuck in the middle, you had to choose from one or the other. Look, at the end of the days, these dealerships were almost aesthetically identical to each other. The products that they sold were pretty much identical to each other. The, 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 if you were going to buy a car, the payments were going to be within a few dollars of each other. Right. You know, but Uh, (laughs) well, yeah, they may not be true too. Right. (laughs) Um, but, the, the big difference right between these two, two locations are the people yes like that, that that's fundamentally what the difference was and you know i we got a chance to kind of talk off camera where i talked about my mitsubishi dealership and and the, the thing that was my saving grace or not my saving grace but a primary part of my marketing strategy was the fact that i had i had three triple diamond master technicians which is insanely rare in the first place and and but the, the was, i didn't market my services i didn't market a 1999 you know oil change i marketed them and that was a huge difference in our operations and our fixed operations marketing. And I, I'm, I'm sure you've probably seen some examples of, do you have any examples of people focusing? Do you see more dealerships going down that direction, less coupon, more about the people?
1: Well, here, here's where I see a, a huge shift. Dealerships have never really been into the tire game. Okay. They leave it up to yeah, that's uh, true. all these other tire companies, right? Because they can't make any money on it. Once again, we're in, we're in this paradigm shift. Things are starting to change. They're starting to realize the defection rate after 36 months because of the warranties, uh, they, they lose customers. They start going to all these other uh, off-brand places to get these types of services done. If you sold them tires and you didn't make money, you just broke even or made just a little bit just so you can make competitive. And I heard this the other day. You keep 15 or 20 SKUs of tires. Just like a discount tire, which is national, even maybe international, I don't know. They don't stock everything. Sometimes it takes a day or two. They they can do these hot shipments in one day for you know some uh, weird tire that the customer wants. But the thing is, they're coming into your store for at least the first three years for routine maintenance and stuff like that. Build that relationship with them, right? It's all about the people. You build that relationship with them. If you pull up to a discount wheel and tire, first thing they do after they... Uh, introduce themselves. You walk out to the car and they measure the tread depth and look at the wear on all four of your tires. Every I don't care if you are in there a week ago and came back for something different, and they have to look at. They're going to look at it again. Why? Because it builds a tremendous amount of value when that customer buys that tire, those tires from you, and you don't make any money on them. Think about what you make because they're locked in. Sixty-seven percent of those people are going to come back and buy a New Year's vehicle and keep that vehicle for at least another three years and maintain all their service to your dealership because mm-hmm. you sold them tires. Those are the things we need to be marketing to and thinking about today.
0: I, I do. I agree. I think those are the things that we, we need to be focusing on. And I think that kind of goes into that, that plays into another strategy that I'm, I'm pushing a lot right now. It's the experience is that experience strategy. And you know what, for, for a lot of fix ops you know, dealerships, the experience is n- not necessarily a goal. And, and when there is a goal around experience, it's usually attached to an SSI or a CSI or something like that. It's like, well, I don't really need to focus on my experience. Have you seen my score? Like, you know, like the, the I call it full belly syndrome. You know, where you're just kind of satisfied for what you have, and you don't necessarily push the envelope. But I'm I'm looking at I'm, I'm looking at that experience. I have a service like I service my car a lot, by the way. Um, well, before COVID, all right, and I I drive roughly about eight thousand kilometers a month, approximately about five thousand miles, all right. Okay. So I I I do an oil change monthly. Now, I drive all over the province, and there's a lot of dealerships that I can do my servicing app but there's one in particular that i enjoy servicing with and sometimes i'll maybe even go slightly out of my way just to service with them and it's because of little things like if you think about experiences experience are a combination of little things all right when i pull up all right they have a process and a system that when i pull up they see my plates as i'm pulling through the drive-thru they type in their they type in my plates into their into their dms and they, oh mr harris is here when they come over to say hi to me, and know, well, that doesn't matter who it is. And it's usually not even the same person. It's like, hello, Mr. Harris, welcome back. And I'm telling you, that little tiny thing of them knowing my name before I even open the door is truly an experience, right? Uh, one other thing, now they have had to stop doing this because of COVID, but before COVID, all right, I would check in. And then after I would check in, there was actually someone who actually worked at the service lounge, meaning there was actually someone that was there to get you a cup of coffee. So go ahead and sit down over there. Um, how do you, how do you take it? a block two sugar, not a problem. All right. And and they would go and get it and bring it over to me and say, did you need a newspaper? Do you need a tablet? Would you want to catch up on your Netflix? All right. Those little tiny things, not huge operational things, but those little tiny things, man, I'm stuck. If I ever get like I'm, I'm, I'm glued to these people. If I ever get a chance, I go back to them. Do you see dealerships now focusing more on experience and experience marketing than you've ever seen in the past? And do you think that's due to COVID?
1: Uh, I think uh, a lot of it's due to COVID. It, it's been a wake-up call, and you know, as I mentioned earlier, all the things that have changed. That uh, that little thing, those little things that you just shared, those aren't little to you. Those are substantial. Absolutely. Those are those are, those are uh, defining moments of what would keep you coming back to that dealership. Uh, as a matter of fact, I was on a, a webinar last night with uh, uh, Fix Stops Mastermind Dave Ford, just a phenomenal guy, and got some really talented yeah, Dave's a cool
0: guy. Yeah,
1: great guy. So we were. Um, talking about a lot of things, but I think people still think that, you know, particularly parents, this is geared towards probably parents more than anybody else. They think, well, I don't want my kids. I want them to go to college and get a degree. Well, you Absolutely. know, some of these technicians make $100, 150, $200,000 a year. 100%. You hear me say that and they're thinking, are you kidding? Oh yeah. I'm, I'm not kidding at all. Uh, you know, technicians can make that kind of money. So those days where you think, oh, I don't want to get dirty and I don't want to do this. All, all those things are changing and there, there is, there's a, a huge um, future stock or paradigm shift taking place. You mentioned coupons. Yeah, I, I don't necessarily disagree with you on that, but they're the standard everyday coupons. People don't really know about premium services and why things need, what coolant flushes and. And timely rotations and all these things. What, what, why do you get old, What's the difference between a conventional semi synthetic and full synthetic? They don't really understand that. So it's all about up in the game and uh, exceeding right. any experience or expectation they may have. So it's so many things that you just mentioned. All those things are taking place and converging right now. I think it's going to be a phenomenal 2021, 20, 22 and beyond.
0: Well it, you know what look it, it's all about educating them right it is. if we if we can educate them before they come into the dealership but like if you go to most dealerships websites right now and you go to the service part of uh, of their website right usually it's like one page maybe two or three Which but is that, it, it right? is definitely not there with the intent to want to educate them and I, and I know this i mean i've known this for years and i think a lot of people wouldn't would, i don't think we'd find a lot of people to disagree with this <laughs> is is a a better educated customer is a better customer it is. The more educated they are, the better that they are. So it's like, but then we go there and it's just like, the first thing is just like, here you go. That's what it is. Right. And like, no one knows what a cabin filter is. Do you know how many consumers still believe cabin filters are just total BS and no, that there's no not. requirement?
1: They aren't though, are they? <laughs> they're not. They're not. Uh, no. It, it, no, they're not. And that's, the, that's the stuff that we're, we're really talking about doing. Not only that, we're talking about search engine optimization. We're talking about Google, my business multiple pages. don't just have three or four authors on there. Of course we can talk about that at the end if you want to reach out. But if you see our stuff versus any other website in the industry because we integrate into our biggest integration website vendors probably dealer.com but it's just it's, it's all about a huge paradigm shift. changing what customers are used, to. I understand understand about coupons. The specials content page is still the most visited content page on the dealership next to inventory. For a reason, for sure. people are looking at the connotation happen. associated with specials is they'll save or something like that. And so they, they see these lame ass, excuse me, these lame service <laughs> yep. coupons that don't do anything and they get frustrated. There's nothing there. What does that say about what happens on the variable side? Because of that experience, maybe they leave and go somewhere else, but the longer they're there and consuming content and information, maybe from fixed stops they go over to look at a new or used car. Who knows? Those are all certainly things that are worth looking at, which we did address.
0: well you know I think to be able to execute and really utilize you know a tool or service that you know a company like yours provides and there's um it's, it's a it's a culture shift it, is. Like it really is a culture shift you know I, I find right now in in our industry we're uh we're very good about creating operational goals right. We are, right? Yeah. We're here's are. how many CP work orders we need to do. Here's how many hours per RO. All right, here's the, here's the warranty, you know, penetration we need to maintain. Like, we, we, we do a great job about creating operational goals and objectives. But what I'm finding right now is that our uh, moving forward, our success is going to have to be a, a cultural shift that it's not just operational goals. We need operational goals. We need culture goals. All right. Nice. Uh, we need process goals. And I think culture goals is, is, is a big one. And that kind of goes back to what we were originally talking about. A culture goal is why, is the why. Why we do things the way we do it, all right? Why does someone, you know, take the time to enter in my, my, uh, my number or my, my plate number so that they can come up and say my name? All right. Why did they go far as far as actually employing someone to uh, to work within the service lounge to get coffees and hand out biscuits and to get newspapers and stuff like that? Why would they do that? That's a it's it's a fundamental culture shift.
1: It's amazing that you full circle back to the why, because really, isn't that what it is? And everybody's in the midst of figuring it out right now. There's there's a listen. Vendors are phenomenal. I'm a vendor, but here's the thing. There's a lot of great products out there. Mm-hmm. And if you pitch those products, it sounds good. But here's what typically happens. I don't care if it's variable or fixed. But it requires sure, – to Right, in order to um, uh, reap the results.
0: Yeah, um, to stick, to really stick. You
1: have to have, you have to have somebody manage it for 10 15 minutes a day or two to three hours a week, and therein lies the problem. They forget to do this. They forget to do that. It's not my responsibility. Turnover, et cetera. Next thing you know, you got a blank page with nothing on it. Because it has to be a part
0: of our culture, it does. like it, like look look, buying into uh, you know a product or service like like your company or my company or any other company out there it doesn't really matter, all right? Like that product or service is not going to define the culture, and we know a little something about culture, all right? We uh, we cut our teeth at the exact same dealership, and um, we learned a lot of what not to do. Um, yeah, there yeah. was definitely a culture there, a culture around oh, yeah. making money. Um, <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> It's so fun to, to jam with you about this because I tell this story to a lot of people how the first dealership I worked at had an amazing culture, not a culture you necessarily want to be a part no, of. Uh, um, it, was a culture, it was a culture shock. It was a culture yeah. shock uh, for sure. It was definitely a culture shock. But it's, it's you know what?
1: Really, it's really amazing in the car business when uh, it, whether you're on the outside uh, as a vendor, etc. cetera, Jason, you know, and everybody out there listening, you know, if someone, if you're talking to somebody, you know, if they're a car dog,
0: you know, Oh, absolutely. hundred percent. And, and, you know what it, yeah, you know, if someone's a car dog or not, <laughs> <You> just, <laughs> it's, it's usually in the language, by the way, it's usually uh, in the right, exactly. look, this conversation is great. I know we're getting towards the tail end of our time right okay. now. And, but, but I think we've kind of tied everything together here, right? I mean, you know, it really does come down to a culture direction and a culture goal, all right, that's going to flow into your marketing strategies. It's not enough just to market. All right, you have to market what culturally makes you different, and to define that, you have to know why you do things, the way you do things. Right? That's it's hard. not just it, look. These are probably things you guys have been doing as a dealership for for many, many, many years, but you never set back and said, "Well, why do we do it that way? You know, yeah. why, why have we gone that little extra direction? Right? And that." Then we'll help you define the culture. The culture is going to help you kind of connect the dots with any other type of marketing service or strategy that you have out there. This has been a great conversation, Russell. I've had a lot of fun doing this. Before I let you go, though, for everybody out there that's watching and listening right now and uh, loves what we're talking about would, and would like to connect with you and kind of follow along with your journey and your company's journey, what, what is the best way to do so?
1: Well, uh, Twitter LinkedIn, Facebook, um, or you can email me at Russell, two S's, two L's at fixedopsmarketing.com. That's the name of my company, Fixed Ops Marketing. Uh, check us out, reach out to me. You can call me on my cell at 903-819-5253 if you'd like to get more information or, or visit our website or go to LinkedIn. There's, uh, every day, we got a phenomenal marketing manager. Every day, it's Twitter, uh, Facebook, uh, LinkedIn, we're permeated everywhere because we want to make a real impact. We want people because they're looking, they want to, they're, they're thinking Uh differently. So we're offering some really amazing video coupon solutions that don't exist in the industry. Like what we have. So give give us a call. Look, look us up.
0: That's awesome. Hey, Russell, thank you so much for taking the time today. This has been a blast. Uh, You have yourself an amazing day. Thank you, you too. I enjoyed it. Thanks for tuning in to the Strategy Mob Podcast with your host, Jason Harris. Don't want to miss new content? Be sure to sign up to Be a Mobster at strategymob.com to stay in the know. Remember to like, comment, and subscribe.